Hey, this is Pastor David. Thanks for plugging in today. I believe that this word from God will encourage you, challenge you, and help direct you toward your destiny. A new commandment I give unto you, Jesus said, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and understanding, and that you love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get right into the word. There's no one like our God, no one at all. Gave his son for us, Jesus the Lord. Who can love us like he does? No one at all. Oh, how we love you, Lord. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Daily Bread. Pastor Dave here in the podcasting studio. I uh, want to send my heartfelt thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate you guys and excited to move a little deeper. Uh, this week, we again continued our series on what is judgment. And the first part of the series, I gave a message called About Face, where we learned that judgment first comes to the church. And that's a really important place to start. That's really where we need to begin when we want to understand what is judgment? How do I judge righteously? How does this really apply to my life as a day-to-day Christian? What am I supposed to do about the the people that are in my life, both in the church and outside of the church? And it's a very, very dynamic and very complicated subject. Lots of confusion on the subject. And it's really important that we give it the time that's due so that we can understand it more fully. And the first thing that is chiefly important to understand is that when judgment comes, it will first come to the church. We look around the earth and and we see natural disasters or certain people groups that are suffering uh, certain things. and, And we might be tempted to say, oh, that's judgment or that's what they get. Or this is what happens when we let sin go on too long. And You know, that may or may not be true. It's not really up to us to decide whether or not that was judgment. The Bible says that vengeance belongs to the Lord. So it's not really our place to say whether it it is or it isn't. But my feeling is that it likely is not because the Bible declares that when judgment comes, it will first come to the church. Knowing that judgment will first come to the church is the key to understanding how righteous judgment works how we apply it to our lives. We're God's kids. Not everybody else is God's kids. This is a unique time to be alive. This is a unique time in history. This is the only time in humanity, uh, you know, since Christ was risen and sent the Holy Spirit, that humanity gets to say that God is their father and we are their children. And this is really important when it comes to judgment because being God's children, you must understand that God is not interested in disciplining the neighbor kids. He's interested in first disciplining his own kids. And so we know that judgment first comes to the church. Like most other things, once everything is aligned, once we start understanding the different layers of this very dynamic subject, everything else starts making sense. Everything else starts to come together which is why the next reasonable step is to examine the church or better stated to examine ourselves. And that's what my message was about last Sunday. It's available on on YouTube. I'll have the link uh, just below this podcast here in the description. But if you haven't watched it, you should go back and check that out because we're kind of moving into this next level of what judgment is. And once we understand that God first judges the church, the next thing 
that we need to do is, is begin to examine ourselves. You know, the church in America and across the world is, is in bad shape. We see all kinds of bad things happening, manipulation and pastors who are doing bad things, parishioners who are doing bad things, allowing things into the church that, that ought not to be there. But if we're honest, I think we have to admit that the church has always been in bad shape. Or maybe better stated that it started off good because of sin nature and the condition of men, the climate in a church seems to decline and and rather rapidly. The example I gave on Sunday was with Eli in 1 Samuel. And if you don't remember, I'll, I'll just give you a quick brief. Eli was this head priest and his sons were also priests and they had specific jobs to do, roles and responsibilities. And they were really dropping the ball in a lot of a lot of big ways. They were doing a lot of unrighteous things or embracing a lot of iniquity and and just kind of allowed themselves to become corrupt by their position and by their power. But the church today has a lot of its own problems. The state of worship, for example, uh, if you just listen to like the top 10 most popular worship songs, do a quick Google search and you will find that... These songs are are vastly me-centric songs. They're songs about how uh, how special I am, how wonderful I am, how I uh, need the help of the Lord to become a better person, and I desire to be a better prayer warrior, or I, or I desire to be a better father, or, or give me the power, me, 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 I, I, I. Everything is just very me-centric. When biblical worship is when we worship the Lord, we thank God for who he is. We magnify him for who he is. We lift him up because we love him and because we care about him and because we want to know him more. I'm not saying there isn't a place for that kind of music, but I personally wouldn't classify that as worship music. Anything that's me-centric, I mean, if the object of the song is me, I'm not worshiping God. I'm worshiping me or my potential or, or my role in this earth. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask God to intervene in our lives and to empower us to do godly things. We, we should do all those things. My point is simply this. Worship Biblical worship is when we focus our time and attention, our song, our passion on the God of the universe and him alone, that we lift his name up, that we that we worship the name of God. Not just worship, but also a lot of compromise in the church. Uh, pastors seem to just allow uh, sin and misbehavior manifest in their church. That's nothing new. Of course, we looked at the example in Corinthians on Sunday where these Corinthian people had allowed this sin to just run rampant in their church. And Paul had mentioned this stuff in his letter about how he was going to correct it. And, and you know, so they those pastors too were allowing things to be in their church that did not belong, sin, compromise. And there's a million reasons why, why that happens. Uh, also, the attendance in church has has just uh, dropped off drastically in in America and around the globe. There's uh, such a a move into secularism that people just don't make time for church. And and I'm not trying to point the finger on it at, at everybody else. You know, many pastors try harder to be liked than just delivering the truth of God's word. Why don't they just? deliver God's truth and deliver it in love. You know, most listeners don't find much that's enticing or ear-tickling about 
messages on high moral standards and, and, and lifestyles of humility and repentance, but those are the things that are, are valuable to God, and those are the things that we need to, to know and to learn on a daily basis. And I know that they might not have a provocative or, or clickable title, but if we're going to live as God desires us to live, if, if we desire to become more than our, than our current state, you know, God certainly does. He calls that maturity then we're going to have to move in to, to some of these these deeper things. Changing the condition of the church starts by looking to ourselves. We, we need to look to ourselves, and we need to do that first. We need to develop the maturity to look to ourselves without beating ourselves up. See, many times we look to ourselves and we think, oh, I'm just a filthy sinner, and I I can't believe I did that, and I, I said this to this other person, and that was so embarrassing, and I can't even ask this person for forgiveness. I'm so embarrassed about it, and now I'm carrying around the guilt and shame of that. And, and, and you know, we, we do have to get to a place where we can start looking to ourselves, but we have to look to ourselves in a mature way without, without beating ourselves up. We have to be able to look at our lives objectively, judging what in our lives does not reconcile with God's holy standard for Christian living. And instead of having a pity party and beating ourselves up and crying out to God and saying, oh, I'm just not worthy, I'm such a knucklehead, I'm, I'm such a dirtbag, I can't believe you love me. Instead of saying those things, we reach out to God and we say, this is who you are, this is who you've created me to be. I'm looking at these things objectively. What can I do to change them today? What can I do to purpose my, my Christian living? And so that's really where we need to begin. When we start looking to ourselves, therein lies the opportunity to changing the condition of the church. And, and here are three ways. I just want to give you guys three ways, really easy ways, that you can get more out of your Sunday morning experience. Because I think if we're honest, you know, sometimes it feels like maybe I just want to sleep in or, or maybe I want to go to the lake or mow the lawn or do something else. We, and, and we just don't find value in, in going to church, I'm going to make time for what's important to me. And that's really the truth and kind of the bottom line. If, if you make time for something else, it means that other thing was more important to you than the other things. And, and that's okay. So we got to ask why. Why then isn't church the most important thing? Why isn't, why don't we find value in going to church? Why, why isn't it important to us to go? And I think one of the big, big reasons, if not the biggest reason, why we don't find uh, value in going is we're just, we don't really get as much out of it as, as we would like. Obviously, we feel like uh, if we choose the other thing, I feel like I would be getting more out of this other thing, mowing the lawn or going to the lake or going camping, whatever the other thing is. I feel like I would be getting more out of that than out of church. So that thing is more important to me and it takes priority in my life. And so I want to give you guys just three really easy ways that you can get more out of your Sunday morning experience. And the first one is going to bed early the night before. Now, most of us go to church on Sunday mornings and I know it's tough because we work hard and the weekend comes and we want to go do something. Man, it's so easy to stay up late and it's really kind of difficult to get up early. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. But I think going to bed early the night before is the best way to plan to have a great day. You know, years ago when I was working in the wind energy industry, one of the key ways of mitigating risk among our employees was having a plan for the day. And so much 
of our project was centered around the plan for the day. We would get up early, everybody would get their coffee, we would meet together in the office, uh, we'd share a couple of jokes and, and just start to begin that process of, of friendship and camaraderie. And then we'd start talking about what the project was going to be that day and, and what the scope of work looked like. And what we realized was we weren't really considering the plan before the plan. And that is, we had this great plan of all this work we needed to get done, but a lot of our guys were showing up in a condition that was unfit to work because, you know, they clocked out the night before and it was like, hey, this is this is my time and I'm ready to rock and roll and went out and did their own thing. And, you know, guys are certainly welcome to do whatever they want on their own time. But it, there is something to say about considering what's on the docket. What's the next thing to do? And, you know, when on Saturday night when we're hanging out and having fun, one of those things we should consider is, hey, I'm going to meet with the Lord tomorrow. I want to be ready for this. I want to plan ahead for this. I want to plan to be prepared in my heart and in my spirit. I want to be rested. I want to be alert. I want to have my ears pricked and my boxing gloves on. And I just, I want to be ready to receive what the Lord has for me. And so I think one of the easy things that we can do to get more out of our Sunday morning experience is to go to bed early the night before. The second thing that we can do to get more out of our Sunday morning experience is don't just attend. Show up. Be present. Get involved. Make a friend. See somebody. And look, I know that sometimes people come to church and they, they, they're feeling sad or they're feeling hurt or they've been through some horrible thing in life and they just need to just, you know, maybe sit in the back and put their hood on and, and just enjoy worship and enjoy the presence of God. I, I get that. I, I really do. I know what it's like to be hurt. And I know what it's like to just go to a Sunday service and, and just say, look, I'm just here to meet with God. I don't want to get involved in all the hype. But that's once in a while. I think for the great majority of the time uh, that when we go to church, we don't just, you know, drag our knuckles in and, you know, find our seat and try to keep our eyes open. Instead, you know, don't don't just attend, like show up, make a friend, see somebody, tell somebody hello. If you hadn't seen somebody in a couple of weeks, you know, tell them hi, tell them that you missed them and take somebody out to lunch. Plan on plan on spending some some present time there. Be there. Be alert. And and I think going to bed early the night before really lends itself to being able to to be present. The third one is also really simple and it's much more simple than you think. Uh and that is bring your Bible and something to take notes on. I'm like you guys. I love carrying around my phone. Uh, I can, I've got my Bible on my phone. I can take notes on my phone. It's very, very convenient, but I'm telling you what, there is something much different about having a paper Bible in your hand where you get to flip through, you get to feel it under your fingers. You can read the words for yourself. And, and, you know, honestly, I can, I can navigate my paper Bible much faster than I can navigate a digital Bible. I can, I can get to the scriptures much, much more quickly than, than on a digital Bible. Maybe some of you guys can beat me. We should have a race. We should, we should plan to have some kind of a contest and we'll, maybe we'll get some people up there who want to do paper Bibles, do paper versus digital. I don't know. Send me an email if you think that would be a cool idea. But I think bringing your, your, your paper Bible is, is something that, you know, you've got it, you've got your sword in your hand, you've got the word and, and then you've got a pen and something to take notes on. You're like, man, I'm here. I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to hear the word of God. And when you come ready to hear, 
when when you're ready to experience God, you come with a, that spark in your heart and, and you're ready to meet with him, God is ready to meet with you too. You know, I think at the risk of coming across self-serving, I'm, I'm going to drop one more in here as, as an honorable mention, a, a fourth way that you can get more out of your Sunday morning ex- experience, and, and that is to tithe. You might think that's self-serving, but I, I promise you that, that it's coming from a, a pure heart. You've probably heard that things are more interesting when you have skin in the game. And, you know, that might be true, but the Bible says it this way, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Man, if your heart is in the church, you're going to have a sense of expectancy. You're going to have a sense of interest. You're going to want to be involved in what's going on because you've got some skin in the game. Expectancy and interest in the things of God is another way of saying to, to draw on the spirit. We've probably all heard that, like, oh, you just need to draw on the spirit, but we don't really know. We don't really know how. And so I think just having that heart of expectancy and having that heart of, of interest in the things of God, that is what it means to draw on the spirit of God. And when we draw on God's spirit, I'm telling you, it's anything but boring. And even a message on, on holiness or, or moral living can seem like a brand new revelation and the word feels active. It, it becomes new in your lives. And that's, that's when things get really exciting. And honestly, when, when the, when your church life feels exciting, that's when you're going to start inviting your friends and your family. That's when you're going to start, start inviting people on the streets. Hey, man, you got to come to this church. God is moving. He's talking to people. He's alive. It's electric. I'm telling you, it, it's touching my heart. And that's really how first we change the condition of the church so that we can start looking to ourselves and try to be that beautiful bride of Christ that, that a bridegroom would want to come home to and also puts us in a position where we can honestly tell other people about the house of God and how exciting it is and and how worthwhile it is and and really start addressing that need in our lives for the things of God that we try to fill in other areas. But I think when we can start getting excited about what God's doing, the things of God, his nature, his reality, what it is to be in him, then it gets really, really exciting to be there, to be part of what's going on and to uh, help other people coming into the church, people who need that relationship with God who have never had it before. Not just attendance for the sake of showing up, not just going to church because it's what we were taught or it's what be, it's what our parents did. It's because we have a living, active relationship with the God of heaven who is alive and reigns today and wants to touch our hearts. So I hope this message has touched you. I hope it's blessed you. I hope that you can take these little tips and put them into practice. Again, the message is called Look to Yourselves. It's a message on judgment. This is part two of three. In fact, let me just pray over you. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that every person who's hearing this message would look to themselves God, that, that we would have it within us to, to plan and to purpose, to make and spend time with you. God, that we would look forward to it, that, that it would be a desire in our hearts to enjoy your presence. Father, I thank you that learning your word, diving in deeper would become important to us. I want to thank you. May God bless you richly and give you favor. And as you go about the rest of your day, remember this, kindness is free. 
Thanks again for listening. Without your faithful support, we wouldn't be able to do the work that God has called us to. If you know someone who would be blessed by what you just heard, please pass this along. At Strong Tower, we believe that you are a unique expression of God's love and creativity, and we consider it an honor to be a part of your journey. There's no one like-